Today, we're talking with Kevin Trout. Kevin is a Vista CEO, Peer Advisory Board Chair, host of the Three Rivers Leadership Radio Show, and the editor of the Monday Morning Coffee Brief. He mentors business leaders through the challenges that he has personally experienced while creating and growing profitable businesses. Hey, I'm Zachary Alexander, the host of the Subscription Maker Podcast. Welcome to today's conversation. Don't forget to subscribe and check out some of our other past episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Few organizations have helped as many CEOs and founders reach their full potential as Vistage. It's a place where world-class speakers and subject matter experts regularly present in-depth explorations of C-level business topics. So we are talking entrepreneurship and the future of the creative economy. Kevin, welcome to the Subscription Maker Podcast. Thank you, Zachary. And I really appreciate you inviting me on your show. Thanks so much. So what is Vistage? Vistage is the uh, world's largest CEO peer advisory coaching organization in the world. We have 27,000 members right now in 25 countries, and we continue to, to grow and, and increase our ranks. It's a membership organization for business owners, C-suite executives, CEOs, um, any size company. And uh, we, we uh, coach them and we help them. I think there's two things that we deliver. One is we take their leadership skills from wherever they are right now, and we take them into the stratosphere and we continue to develop leadership skills because leadership is a sacred responsibility. Second thing we do is we help these CEOs and business owners grow their businesses faster and easier with less risk, less stress, and a better work-life harmony. And I think we deliver on those two key components in spades. I was a member myself for 16 years as a business owner. It was the single best decision I made and helped me to grow my business uh, faster. I, I reached the maximum sustainable growth rate, according to my banker. <laughs> and we stayed in that zone for many years. And when I sold my company, um, I had an attorney in my Vistage group who negotiated this sale for me. I was very happy. So yeah, it was, it was a great experience for me. And um, that's, that's the gist of what Vistage is all about. Okay. Now tell us what you really think. What does <laughs> Vistage mean to you? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, I, I joined Vistage a couple of years after I started my company in 1996. I didn't know what I was getting into, but I felt lonely at the top. I know we hear a lot of that from uh, Vistage members who join. It's lonely at the top. They don't, they don't always have the sounding board to bounce the really difficult decisions off of other people who actually understand what they're going through as CEOs or business leaders or, or entrepreneurs. Um, and when I joined, I, I was blown away by the caliber of the speakers. I was blown away by the, the people that were in my Vistage group, really smart. Hum I, I like to say humble, hungry, and smart, really smart people. And, um, it really helped me navigate the challenges and the ups and downs of growing a business from scratch, uh, and into the, uh, you know, I grew it to 14 million in sales and, uh, 60 employees and three offices. And I sold it um, at the beginning of 2011. And uh, it was a great ride. Vistage made it a t absolutely fantastic ride. And um, I'm pretty passionate about what Vistage had to offer for me personally. But you have other passions too. So <laughs> talk to me about um, 
the uh, Three Rivers Entrepreneurship Community. Uh, what do you see your role in that community as? I like to say I'm a coach and a mentor. Um, I, I really, and, and I got, I, I'm doing it because when I was a business owner, I loved coaching and mentoring my employees, helping them to grow. And I think as leaders, we have an obligation to grow our people, help them to be more successful, bring out the best that they have to offer. Um, and at Vistage uh, and, and the community that we're in, uh, I get to do that with a lot of different companies, a lot of this different business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, and so I get to continue to do what I really enjoy doing. This is my retirement gig, by the way. <laughs> this is what I do in retirement. And, I, and as much as I enjoyed being a business owner, I actually enjoy this even more. Um, so I think that answered the question. Absolutely. So how is the Three Rivers community? I mean, the, the region itself. How is the entrepreneurship community faring these days? I would say they're doing very well. Um, a lot of my members, they joined Vistage because their businesses were flat and now they're growing faster than they ever thought possible. Uh, I have quite a number of, of uh, members that are experiencing that. Vistage as a whole is a, is a transformational experience and, um, and, and, they're, and they're experiencing unprecedented growth. In spite of the pandemic, yes, we all, we all navigated the pandemic together. Um, some of my members prospered during the pandemic, some held on, some dropped 50%, but we all managed to, to survive and everyone is back on the thriving. The economy is, is still doing really well right now. We're digging ourselves out of the pandemic hole. Um, the economy is very strong. They, you know, the couple of hurdles for sure, right, is the labor shortage. We don't have enough employees to fill all the or employable people to fill the vacancies. People are struggling to fill the vacancies. The, the, the turnover, the quit rate is pretty high, but that's going to slow down in 2023 and it's going to get less painful. Um, and obviously inflation and supply chain issues. We're all navigating those things. Um, and I think that as a whole, we're able to support each other in a way that I, I think is not doable outside of, of the community that we, that we have. I remember I was a member myself back in 2009 with the Great Recession. And I remember everyone in my group was down about 30% in their business. I was only down 19%. And so I felt lucky. And, 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 and at context and perspective of understanding where, where we were, and how we were going to set, uh, support each other to get through it, which we all did. Um, I think it brought us closer as a Vistage group. We, you know, there was 18 members in my Vistage group at the time. Um, we supported each other. And I think I'm seeing the same thing during the pandemic. Uh, these people have gotten very close. They're very supportive. They're helping each other um, be, be able to navigate these really tough situations that, that we're faring. But we're going to get through this. That's the good news. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a freight train. <laughs> so what should uh, community leaders be doing that aren't faring as well? What kind of things can they do to help their entrepreneurship community and, and general community at large, business community at large? Well, I think, you know, navigating some of the challenges that I just mentioned, there are some things that they could be doing and should be doing if they haven't considered doing it at the moment. Obviously, the uh, talent shortage, the, the, um, 
the, the turnaround, employee turnaround, where you've got people leaving and you're trying to bring people in, you know, it's not just about hiring, it's about retention as well. And I, I don't think we put, I don't think business leaders putting enough emphasis on the retention of the quality or um, employees that they need to retain. One of the ways that we would encourage them to retain their top talent is to invest in their personal professional development. They need to bring these people in for training. They need to sign them up for leadership training. There's a lot of leadership training opportunities out there. If you invest in your people, they are much more likely to stay with you in spite of a job offer that would pay more money because you're investing in them. You know, you were asking as employers, we're asking our employees to invest in our company, but what are we doing to invest back to them? I don't think we're doing enough of that. We really encourage that in Vistage and I'm seeing more and more Vistage companies taking the time and spending the money to invest in uh, leadership training, leadership development, uh, other skill development. That to me is one of the key things that they should be doing because it's gonna make a big, make a big difference in um, retaining their top talent and attracting new talent. When you can say, hey, these are the, these are the um, professional development programs that we offer all of our employees. And when you come to work for us, you know, we're going to put you in this program or that program and we're going to work with you. We're going to chain you. We're going to develop you. Oh, yeah. As a prospective employee, that means more to me than the money. So I think that's, if that's my number one answer to your question. Yeah, I've, I've heard other people say that uh, it's better to coach people to do on what they're doing well and help them do it better versus spending a lot of time telling them what they can't do or what they haven't done right. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And we as leaders need to invest in ourselves. We need to do more to invest in our own leadership skills. This is a different employer-employee environment today than it was just 10 years ago or even five years ago if you think about it um, we really have to do a better job as leaders to develop our own leadership skills because um, uh, let's face it uh, we we at Vistage we influence the few that influence the many and we've got to do a really good job of influencing those few and they've got to do a good job of improving their own skills and, and leadership um, aptitude in order to deliver that to the many. And, and it's a rippling effect, a waterfall effect, if you think about it. Um, it's, it just delivers quality uh, throughout the organization and, allows, and it enables organizations to prosper much better with less turnover, uh, better skills developed among their top key employees. The leadership teams, right? We invest in leadership teams and develop them as well. All of this plays a really important role in the long run, right? Temporary inconvenience for a permanent improvement, as the, uh, the Department of Transportation likes to say, uh, because that's what we're really doing. We're taking people away from their day-to-day -day activities, and um, we're investing in them, and they're working on themselves, and then they come back, and they're more valuable, and they're more productive, and they're more efficient, and that helps the organization in its long-term vision. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about uh, leadership, so I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, Tell me about the Three Rivers Leadership Radio Program. <laughs> it's, it's my hobby, it, and I'm having a blast with it. Um, I actually went to college originally to get in, in uh, broadcast journalism. And uh, 
I, of course I got distracted. I, I fell away from broadcast journalism and ended up majoring pre-law and business. And then I was, I had a wonderful career in medical sales. Um, now I'm back and I get to be on the radio, which is what I went to college to do in the first place. I just spent 40 years in a, Slight delay, you know, it's just a <laughs> detour. Don't worry about it. So that's, that's, and so when the opportunity came my way, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. You know, uh, uh, fate landed in my, my lap. So the, my, my goal in the radio show was to really put out to the audience, hey, people that are in high levels of leadership and, and businesses and organizations around our city, um, they're real people, right? And so my, my, my radio show, really, I, I'm trying to dig into what's their background, you know, where, were you, where are you from originally, where'd you grow up, where'd you go to school, how'd you get into the business that you're in now, what does your business do, let's talk about your leadership style, what does that look like, and I ask about company culture, what would your, not what you think your culture is in your company, but what is your, what would your employees say about your culture, and um, one of my favorite questions to ask is, if you were to give a commencement address to a class of graduating students, what would your message be? And I absolutely love the diversity of thought that comes in, in the form of answers to those, all those questions, but that one in particular is one of my favorite. And so my goal is to really uh, get the message out that these are, these are high-powered, uh, uh, high-performing CEOs and entrepreneurs and C-suite executives, and they're real people, and they have a leadership style that looks like this. And you know, this, is, this is what real leadership looks like. It's just, uh, there's a big difference between leadership and management. And if you ever listen to any of my radio shows, you'll, the ongoing theme is I despise micromanagement. I despise it. It's so unproductive. It's so counterproductive. And yet I work with so, several micromanagers in my career. And, and, I, and every time I ask that question of any of my guests, you know, I can see their face just drops and, they, and, they, and it's like their face turns pale. And they go, I'm, I'm remembering those days right now. It's, and it feels like I was suffocated. It was, you know, and so my goal is to really share. One of the goals is look, micromanagement is a horrible way to manage. Real leadership is empathy. Real leadership is growing your people. Real leadership is supporting them, giving them the tools to be successful and getting out of the way and helping them along the way to decide what are the right things to do. Um, you know, along with micromanagement comes the perpetual fault finder. They typically co coexist in the same person. And perpetual fault finders are always looking for something wrong when you do something right. And, and I find it interesting that when you really listen to them, when something goes really, really well and they can't find anything wrong with what happened, they default to one famous line. Yeah, but what took so long? Which to me is like, that's a slap in the face to, uh, of success that demoralizes your employees that, you know, they're no longer engaged. They're going to find another job. We can't afford as leaders or business owners in our world today to allow micromanagement and perpetual fault finding to continue to exist in our organizations. It's a death sentence to the organization. And we really need to move people across the spectrum from managers over to the leadership side and teach them how to be real leaders and teach them how to be empathetic, empathetic and how to be um, learn from their mistakes, right? One of my famous lines in my company was, everyone's allowed to make mistakes. You're just not allowed to make the same ones twice. What did you learn from it? How are we going to use it going forward so we don't have the same thing occur, regardless of who works here?
It's not about finding fault with the individual. It's about talking about the event that didn't go right, analyze it. What did we learn from it? And to me, that's a positive experience. And I tried to, I tried to leverage that. With my, it worked well. It worked very well. And I learned that when I was 17 years old. So um, it stuck with me. Anyway, I, did that answer your question? That was Absolutely. <laughs> I do. I want to, I want to go a little, take a little tangent. So sure. was the Three Rivers Leadership uh, Radio Show, was that a response to the Great Pause? I don't know. Um, I would. I, I was invited to co-host the show with somebody that I knew that worked at the radio station, and because I had so many visits, there's 380 Vistage members in my city. And these are all C-suite executives, business owners that the radio station wouldn't normally have access to. Okay. And so when I was asked to co-host, I said, "Well, I can. I have plenty of Vistage members that we can bring to the table and get in an interview and." I think we just finished our 62nd episode and the vast majority of them are Vistage members. But I also look for people outside of Vistage that have unique stories or unique businesses and, 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 and leadership styles that I recognize as very powerful. But um, my answer to your question is I kind of fell into it and then it's just grown to be something just really, I think really awesome. And, uh, and I think that a lot of the people who are interviewed on my radio show get a lot of value out of it because um, their name gets recognized in our, our, our greater business community. Um, they get phone calls for people who are interested in finding out more about what their company does, right? And so it generates leads. But I, I think we started that, I, I don't think as a result of the great pause. I don't know if that answers your question, but it was helpful during the pause. How are, you know, some of the questions were, how are you dealing with it, with the pandemic? What's it like right now? So we, we do share that, and, and that's part of some of the radio interviews, because I think that's also helpful for you to, to get that message out to the community. Did that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. So how do you and, and Visage, how, how do you guys uh, get the attention of so many uh, busy CEOs? Um, I can tell you that the way I do it, it's mostly referrals. It's okay. by invitation only. Um, Vistage members who are gaining a great experience as Vistage members want to bring in more people that they know. I think everybody, every business leader has a network of 20 other business leaders on the average. Well, out of those 20, there's two or three that they think should be in Vistage as well. And, I, and they bring them to me. I, I think that's the, the main part is, is referrals. Um, uh, really, it's an invitation to come and explore Vistage. And if you get value, great. If you don't, that's okay. Um, and, and, and I think the other part, that's probably 90% of referrals by invitation. The other 10% is just connecting on LinkedIn for the most part. Um, I think many of us in Vistage are very active on LinkedIn with content around leadership and business topics and I certainly advertise my radio interviews on LinkedIn and I, I get people saying, hey, I'd like to connect with you. I'd like to learn more about Visage. Absolutely. So that's, that, for me, that's the most part. Cold calling doesn't work today. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, like all coaches and mentors, you have, you probably from time to time get pushback. So how do you get CEOs to make small changes 
that are necessary or make these small changes that are necessary to get the ball rolling? Do you have any special tricks? Within, um, within the Vistage community, like you're talking about one of the members that needs to, to, to make a small change in their business. Yes, yes. Someone's get coming in, they're brand new, they're not quite sure how, but you just know if, you know, if they just made this little thing, they just made this little change, they would start to see value pretty quickly. Um, that's a, that's, that's, that's a, there's a long answer to this. I don't want to make it real long, but I, I can tell you that as a coach, we don't, we're not there to provide all the answers and we're not there to tell them what to do. Okay. In fact, I don't, I think my, my philosophy is never tell somebody what to do until you ask them what they plan on doing first. And so our, our goal is to really ask questions, right. And help them, um, really sort of unload on what the issue is or what the challenge is that needs to be addressed. And, um, and then we ask, you know, very deep questions about what it will look like if you get this done, what will it look like if you don't do it? Um, what's the, you know, what's the outcome that you're hoping to achieve? Um, you know, we have questions around the head and the heart head is, you know, how much time is this issue costing you in terms of hours per week? How many dollars are you not that you're leaving on the table if this issue is not resolved? The hard part is, you know, the emotional, how's this making you feel and relationships? How is this? affecting relationships in your organization between you and your coworkers or your uh, co-owner or you know, subordinates or even your spouse at home, right? How are you bringing this yeah, home with you to the point it's affecting relationship? What does that look like? Okay, now you've got a picture of what it could be versus what it is and what is and, and the powerful meaning behind that. Then you got to get them to decide how are you going to make the change necessary? What, what will be the steps? And we have a proprietary process that we use we call issue processing. Um, somebody brings their challenge to the group and we will ask clarifying questions to figure out what's, is that the real issue or is that just a symptom of something much deeper? And, um, and then once we clarify that, then we offer perspective and guidance from you know 14 other people in the room, really smart. And we get um, what I like to call diversity of thought. We're not looking for a consensus from the group. We're looking for diversity and perspectives because that member who has to make the decision and decide to do something, now they're getting input from all these smart people and, they're, and we're revealing their blind spots because we all have them. And, and at the end, we don't tell people what to do. I'm gonna ask based on what you heard from all these other people, what do you think you're gonna do? Well, I gotta do that. Okay, great. When are you gonna do it by? Because next month's meeting, we're gonna ask for a update and we hold you accountable. So we don't judge and we don't label but we will nudge people out of their comfort zone because that's how we grow. And that's part of the, what we do in the whole process. And so the following month, I would tell you 90% of the feedback is that I made the decision. I pulled the trigger. You guys gave me some great insight on how to do it and how to execute it. And it went really well. 10% of the time is, well, I didn't pull the trigger on that decision yet. Okay. What got in the way? And do we have another issue to process with you? Because we aren't going to let you sit in a status quo, we are going to move you forward and we're going to do it in a caring fashion. So that's my answer to getting people to move. And it works. It's very effective. Okay. Talk to me about the Monday morning coffee brief. <laughs> it's, it, it's, a, uh, it's a newsletter I send out every Monday morning, 6 a.m., uh, I call it the Monday morning coffee brief, a little sip of inspiration, get to start your week. 
And I usually have, you know, anywhere from four or five or six tidbits or articles about business, maybe a historical perspective on something. And there's usually a link embedded in that paragraph where you can go and read more about what that subject was on. And, and that covers all kinds of things. Um, we talk about the great resignation. We talk about hiring and retention. We also have a, what I, there's another section we call econ recon, which is uh, what's the economic outlook this week? And we follow two key people, ITR economics, which is the Institute for Trend Research, where they have a 97.8% accuracy rating in their economic forecasts. And then we follow Dr. Brian Westbury, who is sort of the guru for all of the wealth managers, financial advisors, those people look to him, uh, First Trust. And I always have something from both of those entities on what's happening right now today uh, in the economy and, and, and its analysis. So when you look at the economy, right, people can throw out facts, figures, and data, but what you need is context and perspective. And that's what those two uh, entities do, ITR and Dr. Brian Westbury. They add the context and perspective to the facts, figures, and data so that you can understand what the, what, what's meaningful and what's not and all of the noise that's out there. And I think that's one of the most important parts of my newsletter. It's on a weekly update. Um, and it's really, a, it's, it's meant to go out, it goes out to all of my members and anyone else that's asked to be on the mailing list. Um, and I get a lot of feedback. People say, I, I, I get so much content, so much value out of the content that you put in this newsletter. I'm like, that's great. It's just a me another method to reach out and touch um, the C-suite executives that, that are in our community uh, to give them, they don't have to read every article. They'll pick one or two or whatever. Usually the economic ones, they always touch base on that. And, and they come away with feeling up, upbeat, right? Gets your week started on, on a positive note. Now, most people say that newsletters are dead and, and you shouldn't go that route. But I've been following um, Alex Grant, who did, uh, she's got a newsletter out called They Got Acquired. And uh, she was the uh, content manager, the con person responsible for content of the Penny Hoarder. So now her new site is really about small or what I'm starting to call niche exits. Mm -hmm. So these people are putting together, um, they're putting together niche sites, they're putting together niche businesses that are highly focused and then they're being acquired by uh, private equity companies, you know, so mm -hmm. a private equity company in order, you know, as they're building out their uh, portfolio, they're acquiring these niche companies, you know, yeah. because they, they're very focused. So I'm kind of curious, are you seeing the same thing too? Absolutely. Um, what you just described is very similar to what I went through. I was a very niche medical equipment distributor um, I had equipment, it was really patient safety equipment, and I got acquired. My company got acquired by a much, much bigger entity, which later got acquired by a much bigger entity. <laughs> you know, I think private equity is involved in, in that. Um, I see a lot of it happening right now, these niche companies. If you're a niche player, your margins are typically a little bit better, right? And, and I think you don't want to be in a commodity market if you can avoid it. But these niche players are filling a void. They're, they're, they're solving a pain point. And so they're very valuable. And uh, uh, there's a lot of money out there in the system right now. When I say there's a lot of money in the system, these private equity firms are sitting on a ton of cash and they need to invest it somewhere. 
And so to service their need, they're looking for niche companies to acquire and add to their portfolio. And I know several people that work in those types of PE firms, and that's what's happening right now. They are on the, on the, they're on the path to acquire, right? And that benefits the founder of the niche company. Absolutely. Right? They, can, they can exit. Uh, usually there's more than one offer that comes out. And uh, um, so they can either sell and start another business or they can retire if they're at that age point or wherever they are in their, their professional career. Um, and, and yeah, and, and, and the private equity firms not only have a lot of cash to acquire, they have a lot of cash to invest because they don't buy the company for what the company is doing right now. They buy the company for what they can do with it once they own it. And what amount of money will they commit to investing in it to get it to where they believe they can get it to? There's a lot of money on both sides to, to buy and to invest. Ton of money out there. As we start to wrap up, Kevin, is there anything you wish more people would ask you? <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I think, I, think um, I would ask me, I would, well, I would like to see people be more open-minded. I, I, I think I'm looking for people with a growth mindset. Right? not a fixed mindset. If you ever read the book, The Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck, that's what I'm referring to. I look for people that have a growth mindset that want to learn, grow. And so I would, I, I would hope that people would ask me more about what are the opportunities for me to grow personally and professionally? What are the opportunities for me to grow my business faster and easier? What are some of the things that I did in my business that we grew so fast for so long? Um, my average annual growth rate was 23% a year. And I actually had my banker tell me to slow down. I was growing too fast. So you, maximum sustainable growth rate for distribution companies between 20 and 25% a year. And I was exceeding that. And he said, you can outstrip your cash flow. I said, well, yeah, that's why I'm coming to you for a bigger line of credit. <laughs> and he said, no, you get that growth under control and we'll lend you money. I'm like, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. <laughs> but, but if people were to ask me, how did you grow your business? How did you, I have... Uh, tips and tricks to help people connect with prospective uh, customers. How do you connect with people who have a need for your product? Um, I have a, a sales training program all around that. I wish people would ask me more of that because I have a lot of things that I did in my business that worked so well that um, uh, I would love to share. I think that's probably when all is said and done, ask me how, how it's done and I can tell you. Right. So um, is your sales training program available online? No, no. Anybody interested, just reach out to me. You can okay. find me at kevin.trout at vistagechair.com. Um, I do mention on my LinkedIn profile. I call it the bigger and better deal, BBD approach. Okay. And it includes how to connect with prospects. And what it, it, I like, I've been through many sales training programs. I like Sandler. I like customer focused selling. But they never talk about how to get in front of the buyer. What they do is once you're in front of the buyer, here's what you do. I have a whole section on how to get in front of the prospective buyer without ever making a single cold call. And that, I think, makes mine different. And then I have a, what I call a bigger and better deal approach, which trumps everything because Sandler's all about finding the pain. But what if there is no pain? Well, that's where my bigger and better deal comes in. Right? And so I'm a, it's a little different both on the connecting with prospects no cold calling allowed. And also when you're in front of the prospect, 
how do you get them to move from a, a, I'm really happy with my current vendor. They're doing great. How do you get them to move away from that? I, I talk about that. Those are my two key differentiating factors on my program. So do you have anything in the pipeline that you feel comfortable talking to us about? Anything in the pipeline? Anything new? Um, yeah, so I just got connected with Carnegie Mellon University. I'm going to be one of their um, uh, subject matter experts. They call them domain experts, that's their title. Um, and we're coaching counselors and facilitators and mentors to uh, companies that go through their Project Olympus um, program, which is Carnegie Mellon University is supporting startups and, um, and also working with scale-up companies, right? And so I'm going to be an advisor, particularly for the medical device, medical technology um, companies, and there's a lot of them in the life sciences. And uh, that's my background. And I think that uh, what I bring to the table is over 34 years experience in selling to hospitals, how they buy. It's not about how you sell, it's about how they buy. You have to understand how they buy and what their process is, which is a little complex. There are nuances. Um, I have all that stuff uh, available to, to the, so I'm excited about working with Carnegie Mellon University. That's my latest thing. So what's the best way to follow you on social media? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and my email address is kevin.trout at vistagechair.com. If you have any inquiries, um, I'm on Facebook. I, I, I post my radio shows there. Don't have an Instagram yet, but I think that's coming next. And uh, I'm also getting, uh, putting together a website. Right now, there is a landing page for the Three Rivers Leadership Radio Show, which has all the past episodes. That's threeriversleadership.com. So you can find me there as well. Kevin, thank you for joining us on the Subscription Maker Podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. This is your host, Zachary Alexander. Please join us next time as we discuss what it takes to run a subscription business.